0: Welcome to r slash best of redditor updates, where a wife cheats on her husband with the husband's best friend. Our next reddit post comes from r slash relationship advice. Backstory. My family used to be really close, but that changed in 2003 when my dad discovered that my mom was having an affair with John, my dad's childhood best friend. John was basically like my dad's brother back then, and he was my dad's best man in his wedding with my mom. My dad begged her to stay and work things out, but my mom ended up leaving him for John, and eventually they got a divorce, and my mom ended up marrying John five months later. My twin sister, Sarah, who's 27, was always the stereotypical daddy's girl. Dad spoiled her a bit more than the rest of us, and she was basically his shadow back then. And that's why it was really surprising to us that Sarah chose to stay with our mom after the divorce. Back then, me and her were the only ones to live with our parents. We have four other brothers. I chose to stay with dad, and Sarah chose to live with mom. And during the weekend, she came to stay with me and my dad. To say that the divorce and my sister choosing to stay with my mom screwed up my dad is an understatement. He tried to act like he was okay in front of us, but... Every single weekday for the year following the divorce, I could hear him cry himself to sleep. After the divorce, the relationship between Sarah and dad didn't change much. He started to spoil her a bit more than usual and still remained the usual super dad, showing up to every parent-teacher conference, every ballet recital and soccer match, and being the most present dad possible. Things started to change when she suddenly changed her mind about med school. Our dad is a surgeon and she always said that she wanted to follow in his footsteps, but Mom and John ended up pressuring her to change her career path to become a lawyer. Mom and John are both lawyers. During her studies, John started mentoring her, and they became really close after she finished her education and got a job at his law firm. Now, on to the issue. In 2017, Sarah got married, and my dad was absolutely thrilled about her wedding. He gave Sarah a blank check for her dream wedding. And to be fair, he did this for all of us. He really likes weddings. But in Sarah's case, he was really excited because she's his only daughter. And I always remembered him talking about walking her down the aisle. One day before the wedding, Sarah drops the bomb that both Dad and John will be walking her down the aisle together. Well, Dad is the most non-confrontational person to walk on this earth and she expected him to just suck it up, but he didn't do that. They got into a huge fight, and this is the first time that I ever saw him get angry. And in the end, he didn't attend the wedding, and John ended up walking Sarah down the aisle alone. The fallout was massive! After the wedding, Dad and his side of the family basically disowned Sarah, and their relationship became non-existent. She tried to reach out after a while and make amends several times, but he simply didn't want to talk or hear about her. We expected him to turn around when she gave birth in 2018, but he doesn't even want to meet her kids. Earlier this year, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and unfortunately, the treatment didn't work, and he's terminal. Even with all that, he still doesn't want to go see her, and she doesn't understand that. I am very close to my dad, and these last few weeks are being really difficult on me. How do I convince my sister to let him go? Then, about two months later, OP posted an update. A week after I posted, my dad started getting worse. His health started declining really fast. We lost him exactly one month ago, and it wasn't pretty. He was in a lot of pain. In the end, he was lucid enough to say goodbye to me and my older brothers. Hearing him saying what he said to me was one of the most painful and beautiful moments of my life. His words meant a lot to me. I won't say exactly what he said because I believe that it's just too personal. He said goodbye to my daughters, who are 11 months old and 2 years old. It was just like when I was a kid. He gave them a kiss on the forehead, told them to be good girls, and said that he loved them. It's something that I'll never forget and it hurts like hell that they're too young to understand what's happening. They still ask about grandpa and every time I try to explain that he's not coming back, they don't seem to understand and how can I blame them? I'm only 27 years old myself and honestly, I don't get it. I was supposed to get a lot more years with my dad. It doesn't seem fair. The worst part is that my dad died without ever speaking to Sarah. I tried talking to him about her, but he wasn't interested in speaking with her. She started getting more desperate, but then, suddenly, he died. I mean, it was expected, but Sarah was in denial about it. His funeral was beautiful. A lot of people shared their stories about him. It was nice. Sarah saw Dad in the casket for the first time since the night before her wedding. She didn't recognize him. He was very skinny. She cried a lot during the whole funeral, and Mom and John tried to show up at the funeral, but my uncles were forced to kick them out of the funeral, and good effing riddance. Dad's will went the way that we expected it to. Dad's family came from old money, petrochemicals, so he's always had a lot of money. He left a little bit of money and properties divided equally among all of his kids, including Sarah. He left a trust fund, which was a lot of money for all of his grandkids, including Sarah's kids, whom he never met. It was honestly expected. My dad never really cared much about money. He just wanted us to be comfortable and assure that his grandkids all had something to support them. The tricky part was the personal belongings. He left each of us, except Sarah, a really long letter. It was really personal stuff. In my letter, he spoke to me about our story, about my childhood. It was really nice. I must have read that letter like a hundred times, and I cried every single time. Oh man, I don't know about you guys, but this story is rough to get through. Okay, one of my dad's favorite hobbies was photography. He was quite an enthusiast, and the subject of his photos was pretty much always our family. As a result, we had a lot of pictures of us growing up. He gave each of us a photo album, and behind each photo, he wrote something, where it was taken, and a few words. I was honestly very surprised with this. He must have done this long before he died. It was a very thoughtful goodbye gift, something that was very typical of Dad. Sarah didn't get a letter, and her album didn't have anything written behind her photos. And when she found out about this, she had a mental breakdown. The regret was eating her alive, and it still is. She was admitted to a hospital and spent the entire week there. She's doing a bit better now and is getting a little better every day. Her husband and I are really confident in her recovery. She's sleeping and eating almost normally now. She still starts to cry randomly multiple times on a daily basis, but it's getting better. At least, that's what I'm telling myself. This brings us to last week. My wife and I discovered that we're expecting again. It wasn't planned or anything like that. My wife switched birth controls last month, and she spent a week without taking the pill. It's still very early in her pregnancy, so we haven't told anyone yet. The thing is, I'm really angry. I'm angry that my future kid isn't going to be able to meet dad. I'm effing pissed, honestly. It doesn't seem fair at all. I'm angry. I'm scared. My dad was supposed to guide me in this whole parenthood process. He was teaching me a lot about us with my daughters. I'm effing scared of doing this without him. I'm scared of not being a good father like he was to me because my kids deserve that. And that's it. The whole situation could be a lot better. I play the what-if scenario in my head every day, but unfortunately, it doesn't change anything. This is honestly a bitter ending, and it doesn't seem fair at all. But the thing about life is it's actually never fair. Man, I was shocked, I tell you, shocked that the wife and John both tried to show up to John's funeral. They ruined his life, stole his daughter, broke his heart, and then tried to crash the funeral. What the hell, man? And honestly, this might sound really harsh, and maybe it is, but I've got no sympathy for Sarah. She chose a really stupid hill to die on. She picked her cheating mom and the other man over her loving, devoted, by all accounts, perfect father. And then she expects, oh my god, she expects her dad to be arm in arm with the, with the guy who broke his heart and slept with his wife walking his daughter down the aisle. I'm on the dad side with this one. What Sarah did there crossed a line, and I don't blame the dad for cutting the daughter out of his life. Our next Reddit post comes from advice. My wife and her best friend accused me of having an affair, then got angry when I didn't have one. I'm a 31-year-old guy, and my wife is 29. Last December, we had a baby. It was a traumatic birth, and my wife developed postpartum depression. While she was originally going to go back to work after the birth, she's been struggling enough that we decided to wait until our daughter was a year old and reassess she's been going to therapy weekly. With my wife home full-time, I've had to work increased hours. This is something we discussed prior to making this decision, and she knew this from the start. A few weeks ago, my boss approached me about a project that would require a lot of overtime in a short amount of time. It would both be great financially and for my career. I talked to my wife about it, and she agreed that I should say yes to my boss. For the four weeks that I'd be working on this, my mother-in-law and my wife's best friend, Jessie, would come help out with some of the duties that I typically do. Jessie's a stay-at-home mom with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. She began coming over during the day and they'd watch the kids with my wife. Three weeks into my work project, it became clear that we'd need a few more weeks to get it together. I went home that night to talk to my wife about it. She said that she was okay with it, but she became very cold to me in the days after. It wasn't unusual behavior over the past few months, so I didn't think much about it, and I tried not to take it personally. During the last week of the project, I got home one night, and I saw that Jessie was still at the house. I didn't think much of it. I said hi to her and my wife, and then went to go check on our daughter. Before I could get to her room, I heard Jesse say something along the lines of, He doesn't even stop to greet you. Definitely a sign. I turned around and asked what that was a sign of. Immediately, my wife started crying, and Jessie started accusing me of having an affair. She told me that I must hate my wife because she has postpartum depression, and that I'm not attracted to her because she gained weight from the pregnancy. But neither of those things are true. I'm trying my best to help my wife through her PPD while supporting our family, and I think she looks great how she is right now. She just doesn't want to passionately hug, and I haven't pushed her. Jessie then demanded to see my phone. I told her no. She told me that's a sign that I'm guilty. I told my wife that I would let her see my phone if she wanted to. She nodded, and something inside me broke. I guess the thought that she actually believed that I was having an affair really got to me, and that she didn't trust me after everything we've been through. Well, my wife looked through my phone, and there was no evidence. Jessie started saying that I deleted the evidence. She started screaming and woke up our daughter, so I told her to get out of the house. Eventually, she left, and I went to calm our daughter since my wife was still on the couch, crying. When my daughter was asleep again, I sat down by my wife and tried to talk to her about what's been happening. She told me that she's been worried ever since I started working all the overtime. I told her that we talked about how good of an opportunity it was, and she agreed to letting me take on this project. She said that it was very suspicious to increase the length of the project. I told her that sometimes that happens. She wanted more evidence, so I showed her messages and emails with timestamps from work and pay stubs showing the overtime. She said that she believed me and she was sorry for doubting me. It was just that Jesse had been telling her that these were all signs that I was cheating. I asked her why she believed Jesse more than me, and why she didn't come to me with her concerns, and she didn't have a real answer. It's been a couple of weeks and the project is over. I actually scaled back at work, and I'm trying to work a little less than I was before so I can spend more time with my wife and daughter. But I feel so burnt out trying to do everything, and I've become resentful because, in the back of my mind, I know that my wife doesn't trust me. I ask myself, what happens the next time I have a project, or if I have to run errands one day, or if I have a business trip? Am I going to come back every time to accusations that I'm cheating? I've tried bringing this up a couple of times, but my wife tells me that now's not the time and that she's tired or sad. I try to be mindful of her feelings, but I wonder if that means if I can ever have any of my own. I'm not sure what to do here. Any advice for how I can move forward? And then OP posted an update four days later. I approached my wife and told her that I was going to find a therapist. I didn't connect it to her accusations or anything, just said that I was having a tough time and that I needed therapy. She shrugged and told me to do whatever. The next day, I got home from work, and our bedroom and my home office were ripped apart. Things were everywhere. Important papers were scattered. I don't see my wife, but my daughter is in her room, crying. My wife left our daughter alone, and her cell phone was off. I called my in-laws and a few friends, but no one's seen her. I'm starting to get worried, and I called my mom to see if she can babysit while I go out and look for her. Before my mom can get home, my wife gets back, and Jessie's driving. Jessie doesn't come in. She hasn't been back in the house since I kicked her out because she was offended by my behavior, but my wife does. My wife is clearly upset. She's been crying. I ask what happened. I thought that at first the house might have been robbed. She starts screaming at me that I'm being unfaithful and that the therapy is a front so I can meet my mistress. I try to calm her down and tell her that's not true, but she came at me and she hit me. My nose is broken. She kind of realized what she did and sat down on the couch and went comatose, just staring at the wall. I went into my daughter's room and locked the door. I called my mom, who was already on the way to tell her what happened, and my mother-in-law to ask her to come over and take care of my wife. I packed a bag for my daughter, and when my mom got there, we left. My wife didn't even look up at us. We dropped my daughter off with my dad, and then went to urgent care for my nose. I got blood all over my mom's new Subaru. My daughter and I are staying with my parents for a while, and my wife is staying with hers. I'm looking into getting a restraining order against Jesse. My wife and I are separating. I love her, but I won't live with someone who hurts me and who could potentially hurt our daughter. I'm not going forward with the divorce yet, with the hopes that my wife will get the treatment that she needs and we can work things out. My in-laws told me that they're looking at inpatient treatment at a local hospital but I have everything well documented in case of an eventual custody battle. My heart's broken because I know this person isn't my wife. It's a sickness in her mind, but I need to keep myself and our daughter safe and to give her space to recover. I'm hoping that's the right decision. And then, about two weeks later, OP posted an update. My wife passed away early Monday morning. On Sunday night, she came to my parents' house and demanded that I give her our daughter. Because she had left our daughter alone for several hours the last time she was responsible for her and that she'd gotten physical with me, I refused. I offered to let her come in and spend some time with her while my parents and I were present, but she didn't want to come in and she wanted to take our daughter with her. She was upset, but eventually left. A few hours later, she drove her parents' car into a tree and died. The friend, Jessie, came to see my daughter and me yesterday. After some tears, she told me that she was planning to speak at my wife's funeral. She had already cleared it with my in-laws, but was letting me know as a courtesy. I told her she would not be speaking at the funeral. We fought and she left after telling me that I was a butthole and not the only person who loved my wife. I talked to my in-laws, who are adamant that Jessie be allowed to speak. She and my wife knew each other since they were kids, and my in-laws are close to her. We're all very fragile right now, and I fear that pushing this further would hurt my relationship with my in-laws, which I don't want. Still, the thought of seeing Jessie up there at my wife's funeral makes me feel sick. I don't think that I can stand to listen to her, knowing that she took joy in my wife's deteriorating mental health and picked up my wife, leaving my daughter home alone. O.P., That story is unbelievably depressing. As far as I'm concerned, Jesse murdered your wife. I mean, literally, your wife is a clinically depressed person, and what did she do? She fed that depression. She fed your wife's depression until it got bigger and bigger and eventually consumed her. And on top of that, she drove your wife out of the house while your baby was completely alone which is dangerous, unethical, and literal child abuse. You can't leave a baby unattended in a home for hours on end. What are they, nuts? OP, Jesse is an incredibly toxic and maybe even like sociopathic person. I think the best thing you can possibly do is completely cut Jesse out of your life. And if that means also cutting your wife's parents out of your life too, then honestly, I think that's necessary. And that sucks, because it sounds like your in-laws are pretty much innocent of the situation, and in fact, they tried to help your wife. But if they can't understand what Jesse did to your wife, then that probably means they would allow Jesse to see the baby when the baby is in their care. And that's something that, quite frankly, I don't think you can ever allow to happen. Honestly, OP, I don't even know if I could go to her funeral. As painful as that will be, I really don't think it'll be a good idea because I think regardless of what happens, Jessie is going to try to use her speaking opportunity to tell everyone that it's your fault. I would be shocked, shocked if she doesn't say or at least imply that your cheating drove your wife to suicide. So my advice to UOP is to completely cut Jessie out of your life and if necessary, cut your in-laws out of your life as well. It's super depressing and it makes a sad situation worse, but I literally think that these steps are necessary to protect the safety of your child. Jesse already endangered your child once and drove your wife to suicide. So can you really justify letting her around your baby again? I couldn't. Anyways, OP, good luck to you and your daughter. I sincerely hope the best for both of you. What Jesse did to you was tragic. That was our slash best of Redditor updates. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.